Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, everyone. This is Danny Myers from Cosmic Crash, and you're listening to the Lena Jones Morning Sparkle. Good morning. Good morning, Diamonds. How's everyone doing on this blessed day? We are blessed to be up and just to be here and get our bodies functioning and our minds working. Um, there are some people that didn't wake up this morning. There are some people that woke up and they can't move their legs or, or their foot or they can't see. We thank God this morning that we're able to wake up. The first thing you do when you step out of bed is so simple to do. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for waking me up in the morning. Wake me up this morning. So it's real simple. Welcome to the show. This is the LJ Morning Sparkle. This is the Morning Sparkle show where I talk about the Bible. Um, I do make note that I'm not a preacher, <laughs> although I am studying, but I'm not <laughs> not as a, pre- a preacher, but a speaker, put it that way. Um Today we're going to talk about, we're going to do the first book of Daniel. I tend to stick more to the smaller books, the uh, shorter stories, because for one thing, the, the bigger stories, the ones that we hear the preacher talking about, they're in me. It's these little books in between that I don't remember all of the things about them, like Daniel, when I was reading Daniel, there were things about Daniel that I didn't know, I mean, I, that I didn't remember, so I'm I'm glad I'm able to read it, share it with you, and, uh, and give you my own personal interpretation, uh, the Bible is open for interpretation, you just can't change the words in the book. Now the ones the words in the book are there. It's written in stone. Uh our, the way we interpret them is different ways. You have different people that interpret the Bible different ways. And so I hope you like my interpretation. You know, before I go on, I was uh I had opened up my internet this morning and saw that they have diamonds that they're growing in labs. Yeah, that looks and supposed to be more brilliant and sparkling than your real diamond. I just thought I'd throw that out there because that kind of blew me away for a minute. But uh, that's nothing to do with my subject. Going back to my subject, I think another reason why I tend to stay in the Older Testament is because I don't know whether it's, it's me or it's God that's not moving me there yet. In the Old Testament, it kind of shows us how desperately we needed a Savior, how uh, God continued to punish us because uh, we were a hard-headed people, just did not want to listen, just did not want to listen. And and it's kind of like what we, what we go through in today's uh, society when you look around. The book of Daniel is about visions, it's about dream, belief, obedience, uh, it's about taking down kings, it's about showing us that there is only one true God. And I don't really know why 
well, for different reasons, I'm pretty sure that people have different gods because if they read the Bible, they must have their own books to read about their gods because if you read the Bible, it just proves over and over and over again how God have put uh, all these other gods under the table. I mean, wherein other gods couldn't do it, and God's people came in, and God did it. You know, he, he, he did it. And I just think that's really touching for me. Because when we think that we look to other people, other gods could be another person or anything like that. It could be someone you admire, someone you go to all the time. They could be looked at as a god instead of going to him. And things don't work out. But in the Bible, each time they went to them, to him, and they uh, prayed to him and, and gave him the worship that he's due, he came through for them, just like he'll come through uh, for us. So we're going to go ahead and explore that. Um, I think that's one of the reasons. And so let's get started, because I'll go rattling on. <laughs> I will go rattling on. Daniel was obedient. He did not, what I got out of the first few chapters of Daniel was he was obedient. He didn't uh, fall with the click. He moved to the beat of God's drum, to the beat of God's drum. I say the beat of God's drum because I am notorious for saying I moved to the beat of my own drum. And Daniel, he didn't move to the beat of his own drum. He moved to the beat of God's drum. He was obedient, uh, which we'll we'll hear as we go on. Okay, now the book of Daniel is taking place in 605 B.C. This is before the birth of Christ. And there were two powerful kingdoms. You had the Babylonian kingdom and you had Jerusalem. There were two powerful kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, say everybody's name right, Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim reigned over uh, Jerusalem, the people of Judah, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. Now, neither one of them was were good kings. <laughs> you got good kings and you got bad kings. Nebuchadnezzar was a powerful, not very nice king, and neither was Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim caused the people of Judah to to sin, and this all took place right after the wall. Remember, we just finished with Nehemiah, and in Nehemiah, we had learned about how the the, uh, Jewish people were taken captive. There were only a few of them left, and they built the wall, and then they made these promises. They boohooed, they cried, they uh, did all this stuff to make so that God would continue to help them because they were afraid that God would abandon them, abandon them but he was not going to abandon them. But he had to chastise them. So this was after the the people started doing things again, rebelling again against God. So um that's one of the reasons it shows us why we needed a savior cuz i think god was just done with us and this doesn't the bible doesn't make mention of the us and there's 
there's, you know, speculations of why, that I've heard why the Bible don't make mention of it. One of them is that, one of them that hit me the hardest was that uh, the United States is not gonna, it's not a nation that's going to last. When uh, when the Lord comes, when the day of the Lord comes, there's not going to be a U.S. That's why it's not mentioned in the uh, Revelations. So, either we're going to be completely destroyed or something else is going to happen. I don't know, but that, those are the speculations. That's the one that sticked with me the most is that uh, the U.S. is not, is we're inexistent now, but we may not be in existence uh, during the time the, of Christ's return. Now, when you look at what's going on in our society today, you know, we don't know. I mean, so many different laws against what God truly set out for uh, the definite overpopulation, the marriages of different religions and uh, damage that we're doing to the earth. So, you you know, you have to kind of think of all that. Will the United States uh, still exist? But let's just go on. So, but these were two powerful kingdoms, uh, Jerusalem and Babylon. And like I said, this takes place after the wall was built and the people rebelled again. So once the people rebelled, God and Jerusalem refused to take heed of God's warning. They faced humiliating defeat again, this time by King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says it's in his third year of reigning over Babylon. Now, um, Nebuchadnezzar, the dates kind of go a little bit back and forth between the third, the second and third year. Okay. Now, when when the Babylonians took over Jerusalem again, they took all the idols, they took all the gold, all the all the beautiful things that Solomon had put into the temple. If you're not familiar with Solomon, go back and read Kings. Uh, I don't know if I'll get to to Kings. I don't know. I don't know anything. It just comes to me. <laughs> uh, but uh, Solomon had built the the temple. And he had put all these riches in there. It was beautiful. So the people rebelled so much that God, when when Babylonians, when the Babylonians came again, they took all of these beautiful things that Solomon had put in the temple. God didn't care. He don't care. Only thing he knows is that these people just will not listen to him. They refuse to obey um, um his commandments. So he went on and let them take these are materials. This is nothing to God. He can produce this with you know, just blink up one of his eyes. So he could went on and let them take all this stuff. He let them take all the riches and, and the gold and the, the stones and all of that. And they were put in the Babylonians put all this stuff with their idols. They put all the stuff with their idols and took them off to uh Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar took them all. So because of their ongoing rebellion, God said, "Okay, you know, take them all." They took them all. They took them from the uh, from the temple and 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 captured the uh, the Jews again. Once again, they were in captivity. 
Now, this is when Daniel comes along. Now, Daniel is among the ones that are exiled. But Daniel came from a royal family in Jerusalem. His family had wealth, like uh, Job. Remember, Job's uh, family had wealth. Noah's ha- family had uh, wealth. This was all, he was. He came from a wealthy family. He was of good breeding, put it that way. Uh, and Nebuchadnezzar, he liked nice things. He's a king. He likes nice things. He likes good-looking people. Excuse me. So he had instructed his uh, his uh, master of eunuchs. <laughs> uh, his name was Aspenes, Ashpenes, <laughs> the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children, some of the captivities of Israel, some of the king's descendants, some of the nobles, bring them into his palace. But he didn't want just any kind. He wanted those without blemish. He wanted good-looking people. He wanted those of good breeding. He wanted them to be gifted in wisdom. He wanted them to be knowledgeable and to have the ability to learn quickly because one of the things that he wanted to do was he wanted to teach them the language, the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. He wanted people who were smart. He wanted good-looking, smart, gifted wisdom. Um, uh, wise people of from uh, out of the tribe of Judah. He wanted the best of the best. That's what he wanted. So if you weren't the best of the best, you couldn't go into the king's palace. And not so much that the Jews looked forward to it. Maybe some of them did. But then there was, you had Daniel and his crew. And there was at least three of them. They did not look forward to that. So on that note, I'm going to go ahead and go to a song uh, because, uh, <laughs> no, because I need to go to a song. Um, we are going to go with uh, Chris Tomlin with I Will Follow You because that's what Daniel did. He was he followed the Lord. Now I will be right back with you. Where you go, I'll go Where you stay, I'll stay When you move, I'll move I will follow
that was Chris Tomlin and I will follow you. And that's exactly what Daniel does. He follows his God. He's obedient to his God. So Daniel was handsome without blemish. So he definitely fit this picture that Nebuchadnezzar wanted of people that Nebuchadnezzar wanted in his palace. Um, uh, Daniel was about 15 or 16 years old. He uh, was taken out of Judah in case you missed that. And him and his and other the other men that was with him, the other young boys, they were young boys. We're about 15, 16 year old, year old when Nebuchadnezzar decided to take them. And the Bible says that Daniel was handsome. Now, don't you wish that you can just see some of the uh, that were in the Bible and biblical times? I guess when we all make it to heaven, we'll see them because they talk about how handsome and good looking the men were. I mean, wouldn't you like to see? Sal actually looked like and David, the ruddy little red-headed boy and how he grew into a man and what, what Bathsheba looked like because she was so beautiful and Sarah just ranting on. But uh, Daniel was one of he was handsome. He was a good-looking young man about 15 or 16 years old. Doesn't say much about his parents, but it does say that he was taken into exile. Now, one of the things that the Babylonians were good for breaking up families, you know, taking uh, pieces of families and breaking them up, kind of what uh, Hitler did to the Jews and what American did, America did to the slaves. It all identifies. I'm just saying what it is. Okay. Now, um, so Nebuchadnezzar, he gets them and uh, he, he decides to change their name over to fit his more Chaldean style, a more um, Aramic style of names. Now, each of the Hebrew names means something. So when he decided to take these four boys, they all had Hebrew names. Now, Daniel, Daniel's name in Hebrew uh, was, is, was God is my judge. Daniel means God is my judge. The second person that he took was uh, Hananiah. So there were four. There was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azra. Those were the four young men that he took. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious. And we all know that Yahweh means God. Mishael means who is like God. And Azra meant met Yahweh is my helper. Remember we talked about that, how we give our kids these biblical names and how we should look up what they are before we give them and what, what purpose did they serve in the Bible before we give them to them. I think that's really, really important. And if you're not going to do that, please just stick with a regular name because the name can mold that character. Um, so they're newly assigned names. Um, were in contrast with various Babylonian deities. So they named them after their their little gods and things of that sort. Uh, Daniel's name was Bel. We just call it Bel for short. I think it has a long, I know it has a longer name in there. I just don't want to say it because I could pronounce it. 
it wrong. So, and uh, so Daniel, they changed Daniel to Bell. They changed Hananiah to Aku. They changed uh, Michelle to Nago. The uh, Azira they changed to Nebo. So these were the names of the language which uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was wanted. Their deities, their Babylonian gods and things. So, excuse me. Now the Bible says Daniel um, was in a situation because not only did they have to, not only did they come into the palace. They had to be bred. They had to be uh, refined. They had to go through training, just like in the book of Esther when the maidens, when when King Artaxes decided he wanted a new wife and how he took all these maidens and they had to be prepped and, and trained in, in their style in order for them to even socialize with them. They had to go through this uh, training. So... So one of part of their training was a, was uh, exotic, uh, different exotic opportunities, temptations, wines, foods, and all of this stuff. The language to be trained with all of this in order to prepare them for to live in the king palace. So uh, the. Uh, the one in command of the eunuchs, this was his job. He was ordered to do these things, to care for the boys um, and, the, and other people. In the same way, our Texas prepped the maidens in order to select a wife from the book of Esther. Now, in palace, they were all prepped and spoiled with uh, wine, delicacies, certain foods and things uh, to to make them look healthy and fat before they came before the king. And when I say fat, not fat, fat, but they had to look healthy. I mean, they were in exile, so they probably weren't looking their best, so they had to prepare them to go to go and do that. And Daniel refused to eat anything or to do anything that would defile his beliefs. There were plenty around him. Uh, he would not eat portions of the meat that they had set out before him. He wouldn't drink the wine. Um, he didn't want to defile himself. And in order for God to use you, he has to prep you in certain certain ways. And even in today's society, even though they went through training and prepped and they get out there and preach behind the closed doors or when they're not around, you, you just don't know what they're doing, but Daniel was true to God in his heart, so he didn't want to defile himself. So the eunuch told Daniel that if, when it came down to the king looking at the boys, and Daniel and his uh, his boy, the other boys didn't look healthy, that he would die. He said, "Okay, look, if you don't eat and do do these things that I've been ordered to do, and." and train you with and you go before that king and your your face is all droopy because you haven't eaten and you've seen people who go on diets these drastic diets and they're kind of healthy they're kind of thick 
and they go on these diets and then they face and everything just don't look the same. It just it just doesn't. So this is what uh the uh eunuch uh at Spinez say it the same way. Ashpenaz, this is what he was afraid of. He was afraid that if Daniel and his companions did not eat this food, they were going to look that way. So Daniel, who was uh, brought into favor, God brought Daniel into favor before the eunuchs. So Daniel told them, he assured them that if he ate, just give him vegetables and water. And he will be fine because Daniel knew, he knew he had a God that was on his side. God had already given him favor because the eunuchs, the king gave a command. You don't defile the, or defile, you don't go against what the king commanded. It was that he eat and he have wine and he do all these things and he just be spoiled. Um, And uh, Daniel assured him that his face wouldn't look skinny. So what he did was he had uh, vegetables and water. So Dan tells the eunuch to give us 10 days, uh, give us vegetables and water to eat within 10 days. After 10 days, you can examine us and compare us with the other men who ate the king's portions and their delicacies to see if they were fit and they looked unhealthy. So the eunuchs went on and gave him favor because God granted him favor. So at the end of the 10 days, they looked at Daniel and his uh, companions. They looked at Daniel, I think. <laughs> and uh, co- in comparison to the rest of the boys that ate, that succumbed to the temptations, all the delicacies and the wines and stuff like that. And uh, he actually was fatter. His flesh was more pretty. His skin was beautiful. I mean, if you eat a, a diet of vegetables and water, not only are you going to lose weight, but it, it should do something to your complexion. But Daniel is blessed. He's he's going to be beautiful regardless because he is blessed. He has he has God on his side and God is giving him favor. Uh so when they they compare to the other ones, he he looked good. Daniel wasn't suffering. He didn't look like he was uh, suffering. Um, so when they saw this, they started giving it to the other young men, the the drink and the water. Of course, there were some that still did the what the king told them to do. They enjoyed their delicacies and enjoyed their wines and enjoyed their training. And all of this took place for about three years. All of this training and things took place for about three years before they could stand before King Nebuchadnezzar. So after the end of the training and the three years, Nebuchadnezzar interviewed each of the young men, and Daniel and his three friends were clearly exceptional. They were ten times better looking than the rest of them, and that's what the king liked. Um, And during that time, as today's society, everyone looks to be perfect. Everybody wants the perfect people. Everyone wants to look perfect. I mean, look at all the surgeries that women go through. And now their men are doing the same thing. We're you're patting ourselves. We're puffing ourselves. We're needling ourselves. We're doing all types of things just to be perfect. You, Everyone wants to be a 10. And everyone can't be a 10. But... Um, in in uh, King Nebuchadnezzar days, they didn't want 
them to be 10, to look perfect. They wanted them to look like athletes, people who would be for an Olympic. I think there's a statue of Daniel where I think one of those statues, the guy's got this beautiful body. <laughs> and it said you have the statue of Daniel. And there is a statue of Daniel. Um, he was extremely attractive. Uh, he was a 10. And their meaning of 10 is the same in ancient times. Was, it's the same meaning of the 10 that we have in our, in our um, society. And during that time, during ancient time, the number 10 was represented as fullness and completeness. So when you were a 10, you were, you were completed. Now, God had gave the children, these uh, children learned, uh, not was knowledge and skilled in learning, wisdom. And to Daniel, he gave something else. He gave Daniel visions and dreams. That he, he can vision things and he can interpret dreams. Daniel was a truly gifted and good-looking man. Now, in today's society... 15, 16-year-old kid, boys, you take them into a palace and say, hey, you can have whatever you want to eat. You can have all of these delicacies. You can drink wine. You can party. You can do whatever it is you want to do. And uh, you don't have to worry about uh, any righteous behavior. It doesn't even matter uh, how many teenagers in today's society do you know that would actually deny <laughs> deny being able to do that there's not many of them there is not many of them they could do pretty much whatever they want in today's society it would be having to eat uh probably uh eat some of the best dinners uh a steak uh lobster and uh or maybe even junk food. I wouldn't say really junk food and beer because you had to look presentable when you came in front of the king. And eating junk food and, and beer is not going to do it, uh, drinking beer. <laughs> eating McDonald's and having a couple of beers, that's not going to make you fit to stand in front of a king. Not unless you're working out real hard afterwards. So there was no parental guidance for these young boys. They They were just in the palace. So how many young boys that that we know in society today that was put in a put in a position where there's no parental guidance that's actually going to say, well, I'm not going to eat that because that's not good. I'm not going to drink that wine because of who I am and the God that I believe in and that I'm not going to defile my body. Now, uh, there are some out there. I know that <laughs> I told that everyone's not like that, but there are some out there that will stick to what they believe in and stick to their word and their God. And Daniel was someone like that. And that's hard to find a Daniel in today's society. He truly stuck to what he he was truly bred for a God and put there to in a certain situation to show God's glory. That's what uh that's what God was what, excuse me, Daniel was. He was a strong young man. So, and not many young men or young women would now living that way. So he was strong in his faith. Excuse me. 
Now, now he was in front of the king. He went in front of the king, and the king saw how how beautiful he was. And uh, so that's what Daniel was one of them. Daniel learns the language. He's become well-versed in the language of Syriac or Aramaic, um, which was a widespread language uh, in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. His advisors, Nebuchadnezzar had all these advisors, had magicians, sorcerers, all of this stuff around him. And they all spoke different languages, so it was a kind of uh, a melting pot, Babylon was, of, of a little bit of mixture of everything, all all different types of gods and, 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 and religions and, and uh, that. Now, the Bible goes back and forth on dates. It says that it was three years in training, and then it goes back to say the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, he had a dream. Either way, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and uh, <laughs> but uh, the con- the dream confused confused him. Um, he had this dream, and it was troubling to him, so he wanted to have it interpreted. So he goes and he summons his magicians, his astrologer, astrologers, uh, sorcerers, and uh, Chaldeans to interpret the dream. So, so they stand before him to interpret this, to to try to interpret this dream. But he is really serious about this dream. He don't want you to just give him any type of interpretation. He wants you to seriously interpret this dream because this dream is really bothering him. So this is what they say to him, and I'm reading from chapter 2, uh, verse 5. That's where I'm reading from. So the king, it says, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut into pieces and your houses shall be made as an ash heap however if you tell the dream and its interpretation you shall receive from me gifts rewards and great honor therefore tell me the dream and its interpretation they answered again and said let the king tell servants the dream and we will and we will give it give its interpretation the king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. So he wants, not only does he want them to interpret it, he wants them to tell him what the dream was. Because he's like, okay, if you can really interpret the dream, then you can tell me what my dream was. And they're telling him, no man can do that. There's no sorcerer. There's no magician or or astrologer that's going to be able to tell him what his dream was. 
It is difficult, now I go on to read, it is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there's no other who can sit the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out. He was furious. He's like, okay, you can't tell me this. I am going to kill you. That, that's what he says. <laughs> so this is how serious this dream is to uh, the uh Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to read to you in a minute why it was it was it was like that, and it's really revealing. So when uh, the decree began to kill the wise men, they came to Daniel and his compa- companions to kill them as well. So the captain, of, the captain of the king, goes and grabs Daniel. So Daniel say, "Why is the decree from the king so urgent?" Daniel wants to know why is this so urgent that he's got to kill it. Body, <laughs> including me. So the captain of the king let Daniel know what the problem was. Now, once again, God is orchestrating the situation. Here he is putting his plan into action um, to make to make plan for the the world to be revealed. This is he's he's going to come out and say some things, reveal some things in this uh, dream. Daniel goes in. And asked the king to give him time so that he would be able to interpret the dream for him. So Daniel says, okay, well, give me time. Give me time before you go killing me off and the rest of the your wise, your wise sorcerers. <laughs> give me time and I'll interpret this dream and I will let you know what that dream is. Now Daniel knows that this is a situation because he's already accused the magicians and the sorcerers for stalling for time, which they were. And wouldn't you? If they would, if they set out a decree to kill you, if you didn't tell them the dream and interpret it, it's like, I know they're like, what the heck is going on? How are we supposed to and tell them what the dream was and interpret it? So they realized, uh, Daniel and his companions, they realized that they were faced a challenging situation so they they do what what we all should do turn to god for clarity you had they turn to god for uh for clarity um and i had a song that i wanted to play for there but um but i'll I'll play it in a minute so so then the the secret was revealed so god revealed the secret to Daniel. He revealed it in a night vision. So Daniel blessed God, the God of heaven, and Daniel answered and said, and this is uh, what Daniel says to God when God revealed the answer. He provides the solution to Daniel. He reveals the interpretation and the dream. So Daniel received the revelation. He says, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and the knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He he knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells within him. I thank you and praise you, God my Father. You have given me wisdom and might. 
and now have made known to me what we ask of you, for you have known to us the king's demand. And that's what he he gave God his due right. When 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 we ask God for something, it is we we have to give God we have to give God that uh we have to give him um his props. We have to give him his due respect as we in today's for giving that to him, for revealing that to him, because Daniel's getting ready to save a whole bunch of lives. Okay, so God knows, God knows all of it, and uh, so He gives him this. I was going to go to a song, but I'm just going to not going to go to it towards the end. <laughs> Sometimes in today's society, it pays to be the odd man out. It pays to be the odd man out. Daniel did not succumb to anything. He stuck with his God. He did not defile himself, and God has, is blessing him. So when when in, in today's society, when we think that we're odd, we're different, that uh, everyone else is doing things, or going out and hanging out with each other and, and doing things, and we, we're not in that circle or in that clique or doing the same things, don't ever think that something is wrong with you because you don't know what God's plan is for you. God had a plan for Daniel. He revealed something to Daniel that no one else could do. He told Daniel, he he revealed to Daniel what the dream was and gave him the interpretation. Um, now, the dream is, 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 is humble and to Nebuchadnezzar at the same time. But God is allowing Nebuchadnezzar to come face to face with the future that with the future that's not in his control, but is under God's control. So Daniel goes on to interpret interpret history, um <laughs> interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Um and to show the uh the sovereignty of God, that he is mighty in all things. Now, the dream and the interpretation, if I can go into the dream. He's going to go ahead into the dream, and then I'm going to t- tell you what some some more things about this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has. So don't worry about being the odd man out. Sometimes it pays to be that odd man out. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to look perfect, but it's all right to be different. It's all right not to follow with the flow of everything else, even though the law says that you have to uh, respect. You can obey the law and still be yourself and not defile yourself in any way. Just because everyone else is doing it, that doesn't mean that you have to do it too. Now, here is the dream that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had. This is uh, chapter 2, verse 31. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. The image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet 
partly of iron and partly of clay. You watch while a stone is cut out without hands, which struck the image on its, on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like chafe from the summer's threshing floor. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. This is the dream he had. Now he's going to tell him the interpretation. Now we tell the interpretation of it for the king. Daniel goes on to say, You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand, and has made you ruler over them. And all you are this head of gold. So you are this head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and the toes partly of the potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. Hmm, kind of mind you something. Uh, as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. Glory to God. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling this one. And in the days of the kings of the God, in the days of the kings, the God of heaven will up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall never be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all the kingdoms and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces of iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. Dream is certain, and and its interpretation is sure. King Nebuchadnezzar falls on his face. So let me read you a, another, let me, let's break down that dream another way, why it was so important. Okay. Uh, when the king set the conditions uh, to be able to tell the dream, he wanted he wanted to know the dream. He wanted to know the dream because he wanted to make sure that he received, received the proper interpretation. 
when none of them could do it and were able to, and Daniel prayed to God, Daniel had it. Okay, King Nebuchadnezzar was arguably the mightiest king in the world at the time. He had conquered everyone and everything in his path. But at the time of this dream, he was sidelined. He was not the center of his dreams. The statue, the statue was. He was not a conqueror. He was just an observer. So that bothered him. That bothered him, one, because he was not the center of it. He was, he was uh, the statue was. It wasn't about him. It was, it was about him, but the statue was the uh, center of the dream, and that bothered him. He could just look on as an observer. Um, now, Nebuchadnezzar might have thought that he was the great conqueror and that nothing could stop him from building his kingdom, but in his divine dream, he was nothing. He was simply watching, watching it all happen. He saw the kingdom of God smash the kingdoms of the world, and there was nothing that he could do about it. Perhaps this is one of the things that scared him so much in the dream. He must, it must have scared him to become to come across something or someone that was more powerful than him. If you ever watch a skyscraper in Chicago or the Sears Tower, um, you know you can walk right up next to the building and look straight up, and it can be frightening to feel so insignificant next to a towering structure. But this this can be a glimpse of how Nebuchadnezzar felt seeing that enormous statue in his dream as he watched a sovereign God of the universe control the events of mankind. Perhaps it changed his ego and revealed to him that he was really nothing. Through the dream, God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to come face to face with the future, which was under God's control and not Nebuchadnezzar's. Nebuchadnezzar believed that his destiny was immortality, and eternal kingship over Babylon, yet God was saying that this that his future would not be as bright as he thought. Now isn't that deep? That's what it was. He the dream, that's what was bothering him so much because he was not in control. When he reigned over everything, he was not in control of that dream. And it takes us back into today's society where government and other people that follow the government think that they're in control, to think there is someone in government, in the office that we know now, that think that they are untouchable. But because of their pride and their ego, it's going to fall. It's going to fall and it's going to take people with them. It's a, a fragile nation that is divided. They can't get along with the other. Look at the racism that's going on. Look at what's going on to, in today's society right now over a ruler that refuses to think, to think that he is God Almighty himself. Every tower must fall. Every tower must fall. And on that note, you'll be blessed. We're going to continue with Daniel, uh, part two, on next Wednesday on the morning uh, Sparkle Show. Uh just know that God can break every chain and every praise, every praise go to God. Here's Hezekiah Walker. Have a blessed day, and I will see you in the social media. God bless you. Let me hear the worshipers.
Take it up and praise. 